Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. What a week. You ever feel like there's just too much news happening around you, but so little time? It can be a struggle to keep up with it all and know what's going on in your own backyard. Believe us, we know. That is why every Friday at noon, we get caught up on the week's stories, big and small, with our weekly news recap. The Bears took a step toward the Burbs. Chicago Bears have finalized the deal to buy the old Arlington Park racetrack property. In an open letter, the Bears said finalizing the purchase of the property does not mean for sure that a new Bears stadium will be built there, but it is an important next step. An important lifeline for families is set to expire. Starting March 1st, the federal government is ending emergency SNAP food benefits all across the country. And the GOAT was back in the headlines. Make-A-Wish announced Michael Jordan will make a record-setting $10 million donation. Our panel this week to help break down those stories and more are Brandon Pope, host and anchor from CW26, Derek Blakely, former CBS2 Chicago politics reporter, and Corley J, reporter with Crane Chicago Business. All right, let's start with one of the big stories that broke this week. It's on all of our minds. That's the Chicago Bears. They announced this week that they have closed on the purchase of Arlington Park. This was a huge step toward moving the team outside of Chicago. I know that you've been following this story, Brandon. Your yeah. thoughts? <laughs> I mean, the whole reason they brought in Kevin they're Warren. Leaving. Yeah, is they're, they're, they're going to leave. I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. They released a statement saying this does not mean it's a done deal, of course. Yeah. And there's right. still lots of different processes that have to go through. But sure. look, this is a pretty big, <laughs> this is a pretty big side that they got this. So some context here. The Bears right now are projected as the fifth most lucrative franchise in football. And that's according to Forbes. It's also projected if they move to Arlington Heights, they become the number one most lucrative franchise by building a new stadium. The idea is that it brings in more revenue, brings in more interest. And the big conversation, of course, is a dome. Soldier Field, Mm -hmm. the snowy conditions, players get frustrated. Justin Fields just making comments uh, on a podcast about how he would like a dome. He said, quote, I don't care if we're at Soldier Field. I don't care if we're at Arlington Heights. I hope we get a dome. (laughs) Now, here's the tough part for Mayor Lori Lightfoot, okay? She doesn't want to go down as the mayor that lost the Bears. Um, And she's kind of throwing in her Hail Marys right now. She's offered to put a dome over Soldier Field. Mm -hmm. The cost of that, though, let let me get this exact number for you. It's it's a doozy. (laughs) We're talking billions of dollars here. Two billion dollars. Dollars, okay, two point two billion for a, a dome over Soldier Field. Some of that, she says, would be through a licensing naming rights deal, but she hasn't given an exact plan to fund the rest of it. Right. She had a press conference yesterday, reacting to this. She's not losing hope. She says that now the situation basically she was not allowed to negotiate directly with the bears mm. through during this process because they were in exclusive negotiations with the Arlington Heights race course yeah. area now that that deal has been kind of struck she can now talk with the bears freely and she thinks that actually benefits her and she's hoping she can make a late hail mary pass and get them to say, hey, Soldier Field, we're going to make some renovations, we're going to make it more attractive, and keep them there. The well, negotiation better be a poker game, though, because <laughs> she's got no cards to play. That's the yeah. tough part, right? I yeah. mean, she, we, we're still paying <laughs> off the $700 million in bonds that it costs to redo Soldier Field. Yeah. Right. Where is the money going to come from? And it, no deal that she can cut 
can give the Bears what they're going to get in Arlington Heights, exactly. which is yeah. total control mm-hmm. over everything, mm-hmm. the building, parking, concessions. Yeah. You're talking about a dome. We could, we could have a, a Final Four uh, located in Chicago. Mm-hmm. We, uh, there could be mega concerts in the winter right. there. Yes, so there's true. many more uh, money-making politicians. Uh, money-making possibilities right. mm-hmm. for the McCaskies in Arlington Heights and exist in Soldier Field. And, and nothing Lori Lightfoot does can really can really compare right. to that. Right. They already made up their mind. Let's face it. They've been wanting to leave for a while now. <laughs> yeah. It's not the first time well, that they proposed. Corley, I mean, the question that keeps coming up is, is, is what is Chicago without the Bears, right? But should the question be what is the team? Without, Without Chicago? Chicago? I think that's a better question. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's still going to be Chicago Bears, right? It's a lot of teams, NFL teams, yeah. that don't play in the city necessarily. That's, that's that's the thing. I've been rooting for them to move because you look at most, there's a lot of NFL teams. New York Giants, New York Jets are not in New York. They're mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Right. The the Washington Washington football team, they are not in Washington. They're in Maryland. <laughs> right. Like, you know, there's, there's numerous teams that they're not in the city that their name claims to be. So it's not out of the ordinary yeah. at all. And Soldier Field is still going to be there. Right. I imagine. Exactly. Notre Dame and other college programs, Northwestern, mm-hmm. are going to still use it. You still got concerts. You'll still have the On the Run tours and right. the Rena- Renaissance tour and <laughs> exactly. everything. Beyonce's right. going to do her thing in the summer. <laughs> They're still going to use it and make improvements. Well, for I sure. will say I'm not rooting for them to leave, but if they do, it won't be such a loss. I, you got to consider this, too. <laughs> there is a possibility that if the Bears leave and go to Arlington, uh-huh. Chicago, number three market in the country, could still make a play for a possible second, second. NFL team. Oh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's, it's a long shot. It's a pipe dream. It's a long shot. <laughs> yeah, it's a long shot. First of all, they, I think they but have a right, right of first refusal. They do. Uh, because, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they own the market, so yeah. to speak, under the NFL rules. But another reason to go to Arlington Heights is the fan experience at Soldier Field is miserable. Yeah, man. Mm. Unless you're in a box. It's very nice if you're in a skybox. Mm. Uh-huh. It's very convenient. <laughs> yeah. But if you have Most to sit are. outside in those nosebleed, you okay. know, uh, seats and the, and the conditions, the long lines. Driving for cons- there, parking there. Getting there, oh getting God. out of there. Right. It's a so, so, like, which of you is actually going to drive out to Arlington Heights for a game? I may do that one time during preseason. Take the Metro. You know? Yeah. No, during preseason? During preseason, yeah. That's my that's my time. I don't really go. That's too expensive. The proposal calls for a new train station that's going to be outside yeah. of the Arlington racetrack area that's going to be a direct, you know, Chicago to Arlington Heights. So, oh, yeah, really? Yeah. So oh, nice. That that issue would probably, probably be resolved there. But you still yeah. got Metro right there, too, in the Soda Field. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, here's a question from uh, Chicago 675 on YouTube. They say, can a dome actually work at Soldier Field the yeah. way it's set up? Now? If you spend enough money, yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's you why know, it's $2.2 billion. <laughs> right. Right. You fix it up. <laughs> you know, putting lipstick on a pig is still a pig. Mm. Yeah. There's still uh, you know, the site location problems, the difficulty in getting there, getting out of there. Um, right. And, uh, again, there's the revenue side, which yeah. the city simply can't match. Right. Yeah. So if they don't end up moving, say they strike a deal with, with Mayor Lightfoot and they get the dome over Soldier Field and they stay in Chicago, does that mean that they're stuck with this $197 million property in Arlington Heights, Brandon? There, there are ways they can – basically, they have first ownership rights of it. They, there are things they can do with that site outside of having a stadium. Their, mm-hmm. their big proposal has been an overall entertainment district in that area, a bear's land in a sense. Yeah. Um, they could still do that. Would it make sense to do that without a stadium there? Probably not. So mm-hmm. you'd think that the bears would probably look to then – 
sell it back or sell it to somebody else at that what point. What I want to know is, did they pay cash or do they have a mortgage? <laughs> and if they have a mortgage, what's the nut? You know? That's good a great question. question. That's exactly right. a question. Oh, what's, what's the earliest that they can leave? They can, 20, 20, 2033 is when the lease is over, right? Ooh, I think it's it's probably sooner than that. So mm-hmm. they, they can leave sooner than that, but it's it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to build the stadium, right. to make all the approvals and all that type of stuff. I think we're still years Everything away. Everything we're talking yeah. about is, is years out. Yeah, so yeah. my kids will still enjoy the Bears at Stady, uh, Soldier Field. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Justin Fields got to play with the snow for a little longer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are breaking down the biggest stories of the week with a panel of wonderful Chicago journalists. We've got Corley J with Crane Chicago Business, Derek Blakely, former politics reporter with CBS2 Chicago, and Brandon Pope with CW26. Don't forget that you can watch us break down the news right now on WBEZ's Facebook and YouTube pages. You can also leave us comments or questions in the chat box, and I may just read what you have to say on the air. All right, let's turn to the mayor's race. Uh, uh, We're 11 days, 11 days away from Election Day. Wow. There's a new poll from Northwestern Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy, which is showing a very tight race right now. Paul Vallis is in the lead with 19 percent. He's followed by Chewy Garcia at 17 percent. Incumbent Lori Lightfoot's at 14% and businessman Willie Wilson's at 12%. Any of these numbers surprising to you, Brandon? No, not at this point. You know, early on when the polls were coming out, we got different variations all saying different things. And so you really couldn't look look into them too hard. You still got to look at all polls with a grain of salt. But now every poll we're seeing is starting to say something similar or some variation of the same thing. Hmm. Paul Vallis is the front runner. Chewy Garcia, Lightfoot, Brandon Johnson, somewhere within striking distance. This one got Willie Wilson in that. Willie Wilson and Johnson have kind of been going back and forth in that four spot. Sometimes Johnson's at three. It just depends on which one you're looking at. But Vallis, that's been the big talker because this is a man many deemed unelectable in Mm -hmm. Chicago, given his, you know, GOP ties and FOP endorsements and stuff like that. Not as progressive or big blue as the others. Um, But crime has been the big note in this race. Yes. And he's been hitting that note aggressively hard. I was not surprised at all when we hosted our forums last week that the the day when we had Vallis on, he was literally the, the subject of every attack. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah, okay. That's front runner status for you. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Corley, how much stock do you put into polls anyway? I, because, I mean, as, as Brendan said, there are other polls that are showing Brandon Johnson, right, for instance, exactly. in so, the top four. Not too much. I don't think so. And it was really surprising to me to hear that Willie was really, really high. Uh, I also expected, I, uh, expected that to go to uh, Brandon. So uh-huh. I don't know how much to put on these polls. And uh, when uh, didn't Harold Washington kind of poll low? Yeah, and, and around this time as well, Lori Lightfoot was polling low exactly. around this so time as well. How so, much can we really put on it? Right. Yeah, things can change. A lot can change. But I think you got to look at trends as well. Uh, early voting right now, especially with mail-in. Uh, mail-in's got voter turnout looking really good so far, but you look at where a lot of these votes are coming in, it's, mm-hmm. it's leaning like it'd be Vallis territory. Mount Greenwood mm. Park, 19th oh, Ward, you know, 41st Ward, uh, McGuan Park, 11th Ward, you know, that all seems to benefit Vallis mm-hmm. at this point. So you you got to look at those south and west side wards. What are they going to do? What turnout's going to exactly. be like over there? Yeah. That's going to be the story. But so far, I think Vallis is looking pretty good. So earlier this week in a forum with NBC5 and WVON, we saw three candidates focus their attacks on Brandon Johnson, uh, Lori Lightfoot, State Rep Cam Buckner, and organizer Jay Maul Green. They've all gone on the offensive when it comes to to Johnson. So so let's let's talk about that, uh, Derek. I mean, because Lightfoot called Johnson a, quote, false prophet. Jay Maul Green called him a fraud. What are your thoughts? Well, essentially, that's Lori Lightfoot trying to protect what she sees as her voter base, which is black voters. 
and um, she she has a lot of competition for that vote. Willie Wilson, uh, Cam Buckner, uh, Sophia King, Roger right. Sawyer, Jamal Green, and Brandon Johnson are all uh, other black candidates. But Brandon Johnson is seen as, as being the leader other than Willie Wilson in that group, mm-hmm. and he's very well financed uh, from the Chicago Teachers Union. So she is trying to, to beat back uh, any defection of black voters, defection as she would see it, yeah. to him. I mean, uh, you're our veteran politics guy here. Is that a winning strategy, you think? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to see whether it wins for her. But, uh, you know, dragging uh, your major opponents down or trying to increase their negatives in the, in the eyes of voters uh, is, is very much uh, a, a tried and true tactic. But I think, um, like Brandon said, I, I think Paul Vallis is the leader um, in the race and the reason I think he is is because uh, he, he, there is no competition for his slice of the electorate. Northwest side, mm. southwest side, ethnic wards, uh, some some downtown vote. Um, he is the only white candidate in the race. And we don't want to talk about race, but this is Chicago. Yeah. Right. And he's the only white candidate. Um, and if you look at the 2019 uh, results... There were six white candidates, led, of course, by Bill Daley, who right. just barely missed making the runoff. He just got 350 votes less than Preckwinkle, or else he would have been in the runoff. Mm. But uh, those six white candidates got um, uh, 31 percent of the vote. And are you surprised by Vallis being a front runner, especially considering what Brandon brought up earlier? It wasn't long ago that folks considered him unelectable. Well, no, because this is every year the electorate changes. Every year mm-hmm. there's a, there are different circumstances. Uh, his positives are he, as he he is seen as uh, someone who can manage the city. He knows the budget inside out. He was a former budget director. He's run the public schools. The public schools uh, are are failing Chicago children. I mean, when you look at the results in the schools, and Which many of them have blame. And so, him. so, so that <laughs> it, that, that is what he sees uh, as. Uh, that is what are viewed as positives for him. And then we've got also, let's not forget, uh, Congressman Garcia is also a front runner. Uh, he has strong support from the progressive movement. Yeah. But he is also challenged because uh, Commissioner Brandon Johnson is running as a progressive candidate as well. So Paul Vallis is the only candidate who has his section of the electorate carved out. And I think that makes that yeah. makes uh it likely that he is going to be at least one of the survivors of the runoff. We have to say likely because there's still a large undecided vote exactly. as well. What is that like? Yeah, but, un- but it's large 20%, at this point. Twenty-five percent, eighteen percent, various polls. Yeah, but um, undecideds generally do not break for an incumbent, and that's the bad news mm. for Lori Lightfoot. Derek- I will say this, however. Yeah, I think Lori Lightfoot has a chance to benefit from. Uh, kind of a late-minute surge of black voters. Mm. Black voters tend to be conservative. They tend to favor the incumbents, as we've seen in our uh, long-standing congressmen, uh, you know, who've been uh, who've been in office forever. Um, and um, sometimes uh, older black voters say, "Well, you know, better the devil you know." They may yeah. not be crazy about yeah. Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. They might be crazy about the crime. I've heard of course, that so many times. And of course, black weeks. people are have been the victims of the crime surge yeah. more than more than others. Um, so that there is a possibility, but yeah. um, she is, uh, I think, running an uphill race. Hermine Hartman of Indigo made a, a similar point, endorsing Lightfoot and saying, basically arguing that. 
black candidates need to drop out and rally around one candidate. She was arguing for Lightfoot. Derek, I'm interested in your hmm. opinion on this. Does Lightfoot benefit more from a Vallis runoff matchup or a Garcia runoff matchup? Well, she has question. said she, she said Vallis is the candidate she, she wants. Yeah. She's pinpointing. So she, but do you think she's right to that? You think she's right for that? Because I, I, I I'm not so one. sure. Yeah. I, I think um, she is viewing it uh, partially frankly, from a racial perspective, yeah. mm-hmm. because she thinks she can uh, yeah. rally the black vote and the Hispanic vote to her. Um, and, you know, when you have one candidate to focus on, she can focus on amplifying uh, what she sees as Vallis's negatives. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it would be really easy for, for, him, for her to do that. So, so Corley, the, the, the race... It really might be a nail biter, just based on on some of the things I'm hearing today. Early voting turnout is is high right now. There are tons of mail-in ballots coming in. I know the Chicago Board of Elections said earlier this week that they've seen nearly 64,000 ballots Mm. so far. Compare that to to the 2019 municipal election, when at this point voters really had only cast just over 12,000 ballots. Wow. What do you think it is that's pushing voters to turn out right now? What could it be? Well, uh, a lot of people have been complaining about Lightfoot. You know, she isn't the person that they thought they that she was when she ran, you know, running as a progressive, but that wasn't really her ideology. And you have all of these candidates, you know, uh, a lot of them uh, kind of have the same ideologies, but a lot of them slightly different, you know, like Vallis. And um, I think that people just want to change, you know, uh, the 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 crime is a big thing. Education is a big thing. And you have people that like uh, Jay Maul, we've seen a lot of time with Lee Wilson, but you have uh, Johnson, you have Buckner, you know, these people that's really coming so out. Is, and it, actually, is that it? Is it more options I on think the that table? It is. And it's you're really like, the hmm. more options. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. But too many options could benefit her for sure. I mean, yeah. she still like, operates but- in that you know, far left in a way yeah. mm-hmm. progressive lane, or at least tries to or pre- pre- pretends to be, some would say. And, and let's talk about money here. Black Club Chicago's yeah. Mick Dumkey had a recent report on the sheer amount of money being spent in this Sheesh. race. $22 million across nine candidates. Mm-hmm. Willie Wilson's got the biggest war chest with $6 million. Lori Lightfoot's close behind with $5.1 million. Paul Vallis, $4.6 million. Derek, how does this compare to, to past mayoral races? Or, or is this the usual amount that we see? Well, uh, more than the amounts, uh, I think you have to look at, you know, who is giving to who. Um, and uh, Paul Vallis is benefiting from a, a surge of money from uh, the moneyed interests. Uh, business people, investors, financiers like uh, John Canning, who may not be a familiar name to our viewer, uh, our, our listeners, I should say, but uh, is, a, is a big behind-the-scenes power in Chicago – uh, Craig Duchessois, the son of the mm. racetrack owner, uh, mm. the former owner of uh, the Arlington uh, Arlington Park ra- racetrack. The business community is really uh, piling it on uh, for Vallis. Yeah. Lori is getting some of that business money because, you know, business people like to hedge your bets. They like to have, <laughs> you know, they want to know that they've got an ear open uh, right. no matter who, who wins. A lot of sports teams backing her, too, owner, ownership yeah. of sports teams. Sure. Sure. Money, money doesn't necessarily equal votes, but it definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. you got to have money to run. And Vallis has been seeing more than he ever has for any run. So. Yeah. He's always, uh, when I interviewed him, he said, I asked him what he had uh, learned from his last uh, election, uh, his last mural run. And he said, I learned I didn't have enough money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, he says, I've gotten better at fundraising. <laughs> All right. On Wednesday, we heard from Governor J.B. Pritzker, who gave the annual State of the State address, combined with the budget address. So we got a two-for-one deal. And over the course of nearly an hour, he had a lot to share. Let's listen. 
Today, I ask you to partner with me once again, this time on the long-term investment that has the greatest return for taxpayers with the most positive social and economic impact that I have ever come to you with. It's called Smart Start Illinois, and it will make our state the best place in the nation to raise young children. When it comes to K-12 education, we've come a long way, and we still have a long way to go, which is why I'm proposing we increase our investment in K-12 education by another $506 million. With a $100 million increase in MAP, we can make history. Together with Pell Grants, virtually everyone at or below median income in Illinois can go to community college tuition free. So the big takeaway seemed to be uh, his proposal to invest in education. So uh, let's start with universal preschool. Prisker wants to make preschool available to every three and four year old in Illinois by 2027. Now, do you think that this goal is within reach? (laughs) <laughs> that that's that's an interesting question. I think the goal is definitely within reach. He would hope so with all the money he's putting into this. Uh, his, his number he put out there, he said uh, he said five hundred sixty five million. Uh, my math, according to all the proposals, says seven hundred million dollars toward education overall. Two hundred fifty million over four years to ramp up pre K education. One hundred million for new facilities to accommodate that more pre K education. Three fifty for elementary and secondary schools. Um, 100 million toward MAP programs, like all of that together, that's a major investment. By 2027, he's got to make sure he get, gets through all the approval processes mm-hmm. and gets every school. He's, he, this is statewide, not the Chicago, so he's got to get yeah. everybody on the same page, but I think it's feasible within that time period. The governor um, made a lot of promises in his speech, yeah. you know, from a, a nearly <laughs> $1 billion boost in education to a $10 billion pension contribution as well. But Republicans sounded the alarm. They said the state just doesn't have the revenue to support these expensive promises. What do you think, Derek? Do they have a point? Well, uh, Illinois has uh, been flush with cash from two sources. First of all, we had the the federal COVID funds that have uh, really boosted the state's bottom line and a stronger than expected economy. I think what the Republicans are saying is what if the economy takes a downturn and and we already know this federal cash is going to disappear mm-hmm. so long term can do do we have the revenues to sustain this level of spending and and that's that's really an open question the the other thing you mentioned pensions as a taxpayer uh, you know the, the the Democrats can do anything they want in Springfield. They have hegemony. They've got a supermajority. They control every statewide elected office. And, of course, they hold the governor's chair. Yeah. But they have done really nothing to substantially, and, and I mean substantially, attack the pension monster that is eating the Illinois budget. Twenty-seven percent of the Illinois budget now is spent on pension payments Ooh. that is mm. only going to grow it is not sustainable and they have not lifted a finger to try to uh manage the growth um and and that's a major reason why property taxes are so high too yeah. is pension costs but you mentioned taxpayers i should note the governor's speech did not include any major tax increases and with the possibility of a mild recession this year any increases will not go over well with taxpayers, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, uh, Brandon and Corley, I want to move over to SNAP benefits here, because mm-hmm. in other statewide news, emergency benefits are ending soon in 32 states, including here in Illinois. This will affect more than 2 million residents here who have relied on that extra money, uh, especially as we've been seeing record inflation. 
it feels like just the worst time. The eggs are so damn high yeah. for these SNAP benefits to be ending. What do you think, Brandon? I'll come to you first. Exactly. Yeah. You're dealing with, you know, the threat of a possible recession, inflation really high. And now hundreds, $200, $300, that's a big dent. In a family's finances. That's a huge debt, especially uh, you already got to pay more for food. Uh, There was a great article at a Tribune um, that was talking to families about how they're going to deal with Mm -hmm. this. And uh, now it's on food pantries, really. Uh, There's going to be a lot more influx of food pantries to step in and fill some of that need. And in talking to a lot of these food pantries myself for stories, they're having struggles themselves and filling their pantries and being able to have enough stuff for these people. So uh, this is a story that's really mounting that we're going to have to pay attention to as these that benefits draw back because yep. that that economic divide in Chicago is already steep. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's set to be steeper after this. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to me to see how people kind of make up for that loss in money and what they do, like if they get any side hustles, whatever. It's really going to be interesting. Oh my gosh, yeah. Earlier this week, we talked to um, the CEO of Nourishing Hope Pantry in Lakeview, uh, who said that they're getting ready for a huge spike in demand. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, any thoughts there? How, how will food pantries be be relied on? To, to fill in the gap here the lines i can picture to be around the block exactly i'm, I'm just i don't even know what to expect like i really don't i, I think what's gonna obviously it takes a village right yeah so a lot of these a lot of these shelves are gonna need more of us to step up and oh, a lot more volunteers a lot more volunteer yeah. work but there's only so much they can do yeah you know it's just, it's it's almost basic economics you know when you got so much demand but not enough supply, mm-hmm. it, it, it gets overwhelming. So I'm, I'm really concerned about this personally. I, I think that we all have to, as Chicagoans, as, as a village, think if we have those extra cans sitting around or even if we're oh, at the store yeah. ourselves and we think we can afford it, you know, stop by Aldi, grab some stuff and drop it off real quick. Yeah. I, I think any little bit helps because people are really going to need it at this time. That. That few hundred dollars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it really helps. One woman I talked to earlier this week who is a, a SNAP recipient was talking about how she had gone from getting some 200 and something uh, a month yeah. to 600 with this additional boost yeah. that they've been wow. getting through the pandemic and is now going to slide back to below 200 That's tough once to the benefits for. end at yeah. the end of February. So, I mean, how do you when you had this extra 400 cushion, how do you? How do you slide back when you the prices have increased that. since you got the boost? And not lowering. Mm-hmm. That's the tough not part, lowering, too. Right. Uh, could, could lawmakers be doing more on this front, you think? Well, the federal government could could step in, and uh, just as they raise the benefits, they could either uh, make the raises permanent or uh, perhaps raise them to, to a lower level. Um, you know, that's, that's the problem um, that they created Mm-hmm. In trying to solve one problem, which is uh, yeah. the, co- you know, the re- residue of the, the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. you create another one because when you when you remove those benefits, then people have to have to adjust, and uh, they may not have the ability to do so. Corley, you've actually reported a bit on on the soaring grocery prices too, uh, right? Specifically, the egg, eggs. The egg prices. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Tell us more about what I you mean. Got what eggs, you got eggs. money now. Who'd you uh, talk to? Exactly. So uh, a lot of urban farms who have uh, chickens, they've seen a, a a boom in backyard farming. So a lot of people who are complaining about the egg prices have actually turned to raising their own chickens to get their eggs that way. Even though it can seem like it's not sustainable, it depends on uh, if you have the lifestyle 
y'all for that because it can run you like just a thousand dollars for startup costs, which you know isn't bad. Hmm. But if you get like a, a, a chicken, you probably get about a dozen eggs a week. So they buying chickens now. They're buying yeah, chickens buying exactly. Like a dozen so they can save. I mean, so I was seeing save. it on TikTok, but I thought it was jokes at first. No, but no, people are really people doing are this. really doing this. I may have to think about it. I eat eggs every day. Yeah, exactly. So this this would be something feasible for me. I don't yeah. know where I'm gonna keep a chicken in my house. <laughs> I'm like, where's so the chicken gonna go? To, right? also, uh, <laughs> if it's producing eggs all worth all that sudden, much, you can go anywhere it wants. This yeah, company true. called rent, yeah. rent the Chicken as well. They also rent out chickens. Rent so a you, chicken? Yes, rent the chicken. <laughs> yeah, they rent out chickens. Like even in the Chicagoland area, like oh, well. uh, during the farming, the spring season, all the way down to you know the end of summer. Maybe you can <laughs> rent a chicken wing. Chicken. You know? oh, oh, how about yeah. that? Well, yeah, can you rent the chicken to like cook the chicken? No, oh, you get it okay. for the eggs. Well, call me old McDonald, okay? Because. <laughs> I'm down with that. The but incredible yeah, edible egg. <laughs> I'm gonna need some links. I need you to send me a link to that rent a chicken. I'm, oh, yeah, you, you think I'm playing around? No, you think I'm, playing? I'm laughing because I know you're not. I don't have exactly. a dog. I don't have a cat, but I will grab a chicken. But okay? you know what's interesting, uh, <laughs> in Sasha, this economy? is that they actually saw the trend in backyard chickens actually go up even before this whole thing with eggs and uh, before COVID. So like yeah. when people they said like 2018 they seen a boom, but then it really went up in 2020 when people were like sitting in their house, they didn't have nothing to do, hmm. and they took that on as a hobby because they wanted to do that but they kind of like i have a friend who uh, keeps ducks oh and uh and ducks produce eggs they do and no. um they also produce great meat my yeah favorite, my favorite, my favorite meat wanna, is duck. why do you want to come trying to cook bro. these animals i haven't right. had breakfast or lunch yet so that's probably why <laughs> i'm hungry all right moving right <laughs> along all right sticking with consumer news and, and i'm sticking with you corley the city of evanston's debating banning cashless businesses what's the story there oh man i was just talking to Derek about this uh, so alderman out there is proposing uh that all businesses uh take cash a cash mandate and he's saying it because it protects the unbanked population which is like a huge people uh people of uh, minorities people of color who don't have banks and only have cash also the uh houseless population so he's making sure that all businesses uh accept cash accept cash so that people aren't left out you mm-hmm. know and uh, some people agree with it. I talked to one business owner who thought it was a great idea because she has kids that come into her business that have cash. And also what people give the uh, homeless people funds so they can get a healthy meal while you have uh, other business owners who don't accept cash. They're only a cashless establishment because it kind of uh, gives them a clientele of a certain caliber, they say. Mm. So it's kind of a mm. back and forth on this. So, yeah, two right. sides of the coin here. What do yeah. you think, Brandon, Derek, cash or, or card? It, it's hard. I mean, it's it's a really tough one. Uh, on the one hand, uh, it seems common sense that if cash is legal tender, then it ought to be acceptable Accepted. to buy anything. On the other hand, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really another form of a business regulation. And also businesses that are cashless say, you know, this is also a security measure. Mm, exactly. You know, if we don't take cash, then we don't have cash laying around and we're less likely to be stuck up um, mm-hmm. or a victim of a stick up, a robbery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a complicated issue. I, I But I would think, I don't know, I... I, I there are some cities uh, that have uh, adopted this already. I think New exactly. York. Exactly. In New York, yeah. you have states like New Jersey that also, it's a lot of them that, that have this mandate. And uh, it also comes after Lightfoot kind of proposed that to the little, vi- the little village uh, business owners to not accept cash or they can avoid robberies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they were like, you know, we can't do that. You like shutting out a whole population that has cash. You know, you know? The, 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 yeah. the truth of it is we are moving toward a cashless society. Yeah. And maybe the real solution is to erode the barriers that prevent low-income people from having, uh, you know, bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. that's just as like 
a um, an internet link is an essential uh, part of of living in a modern society, being well informed, being able to function in the society. Um, so is really uh, being banked. I mean, you know, having a, a bank account, having a checking account. And it seems like you know there there are a lot of barriers to that in terms of income that that could be eased yeah. in order to uh, permit the the, the low income population to move right. to move uh, in, into uh, uh, being able to use banks. Yeah, because there's, there's still plenty of businesses that are cash only here in Chicago. Oh yeah, right? we're just talking about that. I you don't like that. You go to Hyde Park. I love going every, to Falcon. Every so often, I'll walk into somewhere and yeah. it's, it's it's cash still, only. We only take cash. Let's hear what uh, some of our friends on YouTube are saying. Chicago six seventy five says, if a business goes cashless, that's their decision. Uh, and, and looping back to our our conversation on emergency SNAP benefits ending, mm. Paige on YouTube says. Why are we not making this uh, a voting issue? Food co- food costs essential are, is essential to each community member, mm-hmm. Paige says there. Good point. Uh, note on the cashless story, officials expect to bring the proposal before two separate committees next week mm-hmm. before bringing it back to the uh, Evanston City Council in March. I want to quickly turn to another story before we take a pause, folks, and that's the CTA. Uh, public transit in Chicago, it's about to get a bit easier. There's a new pass-sharing program between the CTA and the PACE systems starting on Monday, the two services will launch unlimited ride passes that work across both systems. How big of a deal is this, Brandon? I mean, it just it just alleviates a headache. If you have to buy two different passes and you're a person that's commuting and using both systems, it becomes a headache. So by joining both together, you know, they're not raising the cost at all. Uh, you're actually probably saving money if you just mm-hmm. have them all join it together, especially if you're using that unlimited monthly pass. But this also applies uh, as well to their three-day passes, their one-day passes. Uh, it's $75 for that joint unlimited pass. Mm-hmm. There's a $5 surcharge that was eliminated on the seven-day passes. So overall, this has got to be really beneficial to commuters. And it's a time where transportation and the conversation on transportation is like, really ramping up. Yeah, it sure it's is. A big part of the oh, race. RTA is dealing with a lot of issues with ridership, lack of ridership, lack of dollars. Um, so they're trying to boost some of that back with these mergers, you know? Well, but I had a is it enough to lure people back, though, you think? Like, unlimited ride passes cost $5 for a day and $15 for three days. Like, are yeah, definitely. Frustrated commuters, are they coming back based on this? I don't know. It's a lot of uh, issues I heard on the CTA about people smoking <laughs> and stuff like that. So mm. I don't know if it's enough, but maybe if you lower lowering it it could be but i did have a question on where metro stands with that are they not included or they're not included in this not in this yeah and that's that's a big issue yeah i mean because Mm -hmm. i'm a metro writer we really need a a seamless uh integration of of public transit in chicago and metro has always kind of stood alone because uh you know they don't have a a single fare that allows you to ride anywhere in the system as as cta and our and uh and and pace do so um, they're more of a distance-based uh, fare system. But there have been talks about trying to, to link up all three, and uh, so far they've they've not been successful. Metro, of course, is dealing with its own issues. I believe its ridership is down 40 50%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hasn't bounced back much at all. During COVID. And, yeah. and there's also talk about you know, trying to change their schedules, which are you know totally based on uh, – traveling from the suburbs to the loop and back, yeah. uh, whether it's morning or afternoon. But if you want to travel uh, between those times, um, you know, you're... It's really you're, difficult for you. It's I very think, difficult. Yeah. yeah, they definitely should add more schedule. As a Metro rider, I do find that very frustrating when I can't get down somewhere because it's not rush hour. I think that they yeah. need to work on that to increase ridership.
Let's start with a story that you reported on, Corley. Chicago Bulls legend Michael Jordan is celebrating his birthday in a big way. What did he do? Uh, he donated $10 million to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is the biggest individual donation to the organization. Nice. Yeah, and today is actually his 60th birthday, so happy birthday, MJ. Happy birthday, yeah. MJ. The second yeah. greatest basketball player all you time. You said second? Oh, it's oh, great, to see, oh, great to see Here with his LeBron slander. <laughs> right. We understand that MJ will always. You mean LeBron, the all-time leading you, you scorer? You're in Chicago. NBA? You're in Chicago. Okay, you boo. can't diss MJ. Y'all can boo me. It makes me. Well, um, never invited back to the recap. <laughs> I also learned that uh, MJ. Uh, is actually the most requested celebrity for my Make-A-Wish Foundation. I can is, believe it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's the most requested Make-A-Wish celebrity. He uh, granted his first wish with the foundation back in 1989. So he's been doing this. Yeah, he's been mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. been doing this. According All those to- kids are walking around in his shoes. Want to be like Mike. Yeah. yeah. I guess so. <laughs> All right, let's keep on moving here. This is another story that caught our eye this week. Chicago now has its first independent black-owned cannabis dispensary. Mm -hmm. It's called the Grasshopper Club. It's a family business in Logan Square. This family, the Brewers, right? Mm -hmm. They first applied for one of the state's social equity licenses back in 2019. Finally got one just last summer. Are you surprised it's taken as long as it has, Brandon, for the Brewers? And just Mm. applicants like them to just break into the industry. The whole promise of this marijuana legalization through Illinois was the social equity component. Mm -hmm. And it has not delivered much at all until now. This is definitely great news. (laughs) Am I surprised it took so long? Not at all. Being black in America? (laughs) No. Honestly, I'm not surprised at all that it took so long. This is what the government tends to do when it comes to black people. Uh, But it's great to see this happen, and hopefully it shows some progress for for other independent black owners out there, especially given the fact that they don't have any corporation or major cannabis uh, company backer attached to this. And also the fact that Chuck, uh, Chuck Brewer, the brother of Matt, he was incarcerated for marijuana Wee, possession. Right. So that restorative justice angle is right there. And that's what this really was supposed to be all about. Was but the governor people impacted uh, by it. You have to say the governor um, and the black politicians who sold this vision uh, of, a, of a pot at the end of the rainbow, a pot of <laughs> a gold pot. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> one, you Derek. have to say it was really, um, up until this point, it's been a false promise. Yeah. yeah. And um, so hopefully this will not be the last. Although, you know, you, when you look at the structure of the marijuana industry, what happens is consolidation. Mm-hmm. And um, even a lot of these uh, smaller uh, vendors start out and they make some money, but eventually they sell out to larger mm-hmm. uh, yeah. entities. To the, the beer companies, the, the tobacco so he, companies mm-hmm. are, are eventually going to take control of this industry. That's, well, yeah. here's, here's another reason why it caught our eye. It was simply because of where the dispensary oh, yeah. is. Yes. So it's in the old Logan Square Trust and Savings Bank. Folks, take a look at this. I oh. mean, this is not... Your grandma's dispensary. Not right. at all. <laughs> yeah. My friends regal. on YouTube and Facebook. I mean, can you take a look at that? This is it's a big white stately building with columns and it dates yeah. back to the nineteen twenties. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Old bank, them. right? Was it, didn't that used to be a bank? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Logan Square Trust and Savings Bank. And then you have a, mm-hmm. a, a couple others that were kind of eyeing that spot as well. I'm like, this is a dispensary? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't look like it from the outside, which I that gives it some unique appeal. Yeah, you know? it does. Makes you want to check it out. I'm hoping that they branch out to the south side, you know. Mm-hmm. With yeah. another dispensary because they said they wanted it to expand. Yeah. Let's turn to one of my favorite topics. 
food. <laughs> so, you know, we got to talk food heading into the weekend. Chicago Black Restaurant Week kicked off its eighth year last Sunday. Dozens of Black-owned businesses will offer specials in the city and suburbs for a total of two weeks through February 26th. Nice. Do y'all take part in any of these deals? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> Come on. Okay, that was... Uh, in this economy? <laughs> a consensus. Right, right. We were just talking about inflation. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> of course we do. Am I well, looking for a deal? What's your favorite black-owned restaurant in and around Chicago, Corley? Mm. I, I got uh, I'm gonna put peaches. You on the spot. Peaches. Peaches. Ooh, peaches. Yes. Mm. Ronsville. Them waffles. When I first had those waffles, I could not talk. stop talking about those waffles. They used to have a soul bowl. What was oh it about God. those waffles, Corley? They Tell like us. so buttery and the way they melt in your mouth. Like, oh my God, I would kill for those waffles. Wow. Yes. Not, Not really. Good, huh? yes. She didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I got you on tape. We got you on tape. Not you actually. Do, you do. Shout out Peaches. <laughs> uh, I would go with Virtue. I mean, you can't go wrong with the, the mac and cheese, the ribs. Brandon, get yeah. out of my brain. Yeah. I was going to say Virtue. Yeah, yeah. that's what I... And hey. I was also going to shout out you the mac say and cheese. Virtue's I, I can do a different one. Chicken Box. Yeah, that's do a, a different place. one. Chicken oh, that's box. new, right? Yeah, from yeah. Uh, DJ Mike P., Great chicken, great deals. You can win some free shoes. I, it, it's a win-win to me. Are they good? Chicken it's pretty is- good. Yeah. Shout out to the chicken sauces box. especially, yeah. And mm. Shout out to Virtue in Hyde Park. What about you, Derek? Uh, well, I was going to say Virtue, too. But I also <laughs> like, um, I also like uh, his uh, other restaurant, his Poor Boy restaurant. Oh, the Poor Boy oh, restaurant. Oh, yeah. That's, that's really good. I went is there that in Hyde Park uh, Yes, well? okay. it is. I went there when it first opened uh, last summer, sitting on the patio and it, literally could not finish my meal because people kept stopping like, is it good? Like, they were so excited that it was open and it could finally you know, be a place that they could jump into. Um, the Trib also shouted out beignet waffles at, how do you say this? Is it Chase's? It's taking part in Chicago Black Restaurant Week as Where well. Where is it located? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of great. Y'all want to shout out uh, I don't claim to know all, spot folks. that I love. Enjoy your corn. It's in Ashburn, like oh. on uh, 79th in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Black owned. They have a variety of popcorn flavors, and I love that spot. So y'all get a chance to take, check that out. And I'll shout out Sean Michelle's ice cream because, oh, yes. oh man, you yeah. can't go. That's some of the best oh, ice my cream God. in All right, this just in man. from the control room. That restaurant that I pronounced horribly is in Avondale. Avondale. Oh, nice. All right. Now we can move forward. Mardi Gras is Tuesday. And in Chicago, it's all about the... Punch keys. Punch keys. <laughs> you did it. You I did right. it. Yes, yes, I did it. All right. So, have you each had a punch key before? Uh, Clearly, yes. I haven't. I don't, know. And I just, I don't yeah. think I had one before. <laughs> They're pretty good. It's just a donut, basically. Exactly. Is so it? maybe I've had one. So, how do you describe it to someone who hasn't had it? It's a filled donut. It's a it's a pastry. Um, okay. That, that you put different fillings in. It could be jelly, custard. It could be a custard. It could be, you know, cream cheese filling. It could be whatever you want it to be. Sometimes fruit on top. Sometimes some 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 decoration on top. Mm. And uh, usually powdered sugar or something like that. It's delicious. And mm. you got to get them before Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Or okay. They'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where Where's your go-to Punchki bakery in the city? Well, yeah. there, there are a number of uh, ethnic Polish bakeries. <laughs> Uh, of course, that, that feature them. Uh, I live in Evanston, and uh, Benison's Bakery, which is a longtime bakery there, is a, is a good spot for them. Mm. I'm going to be honest. I go to Jewel. <laughs> I'm just going to be real with no, it. No, I love how you were so real, though. I just got to be real with Jewel. Oh, man. Anybody celebrate Mardi Gras, or is eating punchkis, is that the celebration? I'm guessing that's a celebration. Pretty much. That's a part <laughs> Unless of it. you're in that's New Orleans. I, I used right. to work in South Bend, Indiana, which has a big Polish community. So it was a, it was a big deal. When I was over there, Fat Tuesday, 
New Orleans food specials. Ooh. I do miss that. The etouffee. And, that sound lit. Oh, mm. it was great. Maybe I'll go find me some. By the way, you're getting corrections in the uh, control room from some Chicagoans. It's it's jewels. Right. Oh, jewels. I don't know. No, I was thinking that. Jewels. My bad. Jewels. I forgot to pluralize it like we always do. Very important. All right. So rapid fire, you know, around the room real quick, just in one minute. What's what other stories are you keeping your eye on in the current week? Uh, mm. Ooh. Brandon. Oh, I have a good I'm one. looking for to see what the Bears are going to do about Justin Fields and the draft, the number one pick. I don't know. Mm, that's good. I'm, yeah. I'm eyeing this United Center uh, strike. You know, they authorized Ooh. the strike vote a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago, oh. and they just had the uh, negotiations with the contract uh, yesterday, and I got a, uh, I got a statement from uh, the United Center but they have not announced when they will go on strike, but it could happen at any moment. So I'm definitely going to be eyeing that's that, huge. and I'm going to be reporting on that. It'll be the first one in, in the United States, I mean, United States, United <laughs> Center's history yeah. if they go on strike. So Yeah, that's uh, their uh, concessions concession are workers. controlled by Levy, right? Yeah, Levy, Levy yep, exactly. Yeah, right. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Anything on your radar over the coming week, Derek? Well, or are you I, just all consumed with the mayor's <laughs> race stuff? Well, I, I am going to be watching the mayor's race, but another sports story, the— uh, uh, domestic abuse allegations against White Sox pitcher yeah. uh, yes. Mike oh, wow. Clevenger. There's a major league uh, investigation. Uh, major League Baseball is investigating. Uh, the White Sox are 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 not because they cannot. They're kind of contractually barred from yeah. it. But they're kind of on pins and needles, waiting to see what Major League Baseball comes up with. And it's taken yeah. forever. Um, Interesting. Th- yeah. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. I, I got to tell you, folks, though, before you go, I think they're loving us on YouTube. <laughs> Anne-Marie Thompson says, you guys are hilarious. <laughs> Chicago 675 says, I love how genuine this convo is. And was that our first sounds lit on the panel? Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it was. May have been. May have been. <laughs> I history. Thank you to today's <laughs> panel for helping us break down the stories. Corley J with Crane Chicago Business, Derek Blakely, former politics reporter with CBS2 Chicago, and Brandon Pope with CW26. Have a great weekend. Thank you. This episode of Reset was produced by Meha Ahmed, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Dan Tucker. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get the recap in your podcast feed every Friday and catch all the amazing stories we cover on our show. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great weekend. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.